All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksicles? What the fuckadelics? And what the fuckhawks? Like it just came out of me. Don't know where from, but that's what happened. Welcome to the show. I am Mark Marin. Thank you for being here. And yes, I am a little sick. I am battling something for a change. I did not pace myself well. I got done with the shoot and I scheduled, you know, months ago, I scheduled work right away because I'm a fucking idiot. So now I'm worn out and beat up. I haven't even been able to sleep right since we uh, stopped uh, the insane schedule of shooting. And then I got some sort of heinous cold and now I'm off to, uh, to Rochester as we speak. I'll be at the Comedy Club in Webster, New York in the Rochester area if you want to come. I'll be doing four shows there. And I will be battling a cold during those shows and uh, reacquainting myself with the hour I've been doing before I started shooting and probably having some sort of mild meltdowns during each show, which is uh, a signature hook of mine uh, when I travel on the road. Which show is Marin going to lose it? And uh, is he going to pull it around? That's the name of my next CD. Is he going to pull it around? I don't know. Could take 25 years. I, uh, I jest, kind of. I'm jesting a bit. Perhaps not. I think it's going to be a good weekend. I'm excited to get back into the trenches. And of course, when I go, it looks like it's going to be raining, maybe snowing. And then I'm thinking about going down to New York City for a couple of days, do some business, and it's probably going to be raining and snowing there because it's been that way ever since every time I've gone there. Now, look, I'm not complaining. I know a lot of you guys have been through a lot of stuff through the winter. It's been difficult for you. Has not been as difficult for me out here in the beautiful weather of Los Angeles. But I do like it to be nice when I travel to the Big Apple. Anywho, did I just say that? I'm embarrassed. Anyway, today on the show, John Doe of the band X, uh, who I was thrilled to talk to. Quite a history. Quite What a fucking amazing band that was. Uh, he'll be forming this weekend in the L.A. area on Saturday. He's at the First Unitarian Church in Los Angeles, along with Exine of X and Robin Hitchcock. Another genius. Been on this show. You can also see the three of them Sunday in Solana Beach at Belly Up. Man, that's, uh, that's good shit, man. That is some good rock and roll there, or whatever they'll be doing. Some form of it. It takes many forms to rock and roll. All right, relax, man. Relax. What else is happening on the personal front? Well, yeah, I'm a little sick. I'm eating a lot of oranges. I got this thing in my mouth that I'm not going to freak out about because I've had it before. And I don't know anybody else who gets them, which makes me embarrassed to talk about it, which means I'm going to fucking talk about it. I'm going to fucking talk about it with you. That's right, you. Maybe someone can identify with me. I've never felt so alone in a weird ailment than these things that happen inside of my mouth. What happens inside of my mouth is sometimes if I bite my lip too much... Or like I, like I bit my lip in one spot a few times. It got all fucked up. But then what happens is somehow or another, one of the thousands of salivary glands you have in your mouth, one of mine will get clogged or crushed and create what looks to be a blister, but it's not. It's a clogged salivary gland. And uh, that means I have to go to an oral surgeon and have it removed, taken out of my mouth. Now, I've talked about this with people and they're like, what the fuck? And I'm like, no, doesn't this happen to you? No, it doesn't. So if someone out there has had this, where they get the little sat, that little like little balloon of a clogged salivary gland uh, in their mouth that they've had to have surgically removed. I would like to know so I don't feel alone in the world. Could you do that for me? Or else I just feel like some freak. I made an appointment to get it taken out, 
But uh, and I asked the woman, I said, "Is this a common thing?" And she's like, "Well, you know, it's not that common, but people it happens to. It happens to." I'm like, "That was not helpful at all." Oh, there's here's some interesting business. I got a, a piece of written mail and a CD in the mail. Hello, Mark. I lived in blah, 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 blah before you. That was my address that I didn't read. Like, that matters. To cut to the chase, my wife just brought home your book, Attempting Normal, from the library, and we were laughing at your description of the garage. And then in parentheses, it says, you should have seen it when we bought the place. So I thought I'd send along this CD that I recorded in there. Broken concrete is hard to set up drums on, but we did. That's right. Before I put this uh, temporary floor in, it was all shattered concrete. Uh, Not sure if it's your kind of thing, but thought you'd dig some history. My buddy Richie Hayward from Little Feet recorded with me in that garage. Hope all is great in Highland Park. Your book is great. Keep on keeping on. I knew he was a musician, but I didn't know this album, Wildflowers, by Connie Price and the Keystones, was recorded in this garage. And it must have been something because there's like a lot of dudes in this band. There's horn players and everything. And that happened in here, and I didn't even know it. And the dude from Little Feet was in here jamming too. In this garage! So it's been a magical place before. I listen to the record. It's really good. Really good. The guy who is behind me has this open field in the back, and he just uh, randomly creates, starts projects, just uh, mysteriously sawing things, making piles of stuff, planting things. It's interesting. I wish I had a, a hobby field. That's what I need. You need a hobby, a hobby field. You guys, I got to be honest with you. One of these days, I'm going to disappear into the wilderness. I think I've talked about this before. I'm going to Jeremiah Johnson my, my life. Just head out with a heavy jacket of furs and a beard and uh, find the, the open wilderness. Do some trapping. Perhaps some... What is happening? What is happening? Why is that happening? I can't... What, why is it coming through my computer? What is going on? When did the phone start coming through the computer? My God, that was jarring. The band X is one of the great LA bands. It's one of the great, uh, I guess, I guess you would definitely call them a punk band. But uh, LA punk, American punk, fucking rock and roll. X was a great fucking band and John Doe is an amazing musician and songwriter and he's here with us today and we're going to talk to him right now. You lived in Mount Washington with Exine in the 80s. Yes. Now, But it was pretty, it was sort of nice, it was nice up there, right? Oh, it's, yeah, it was nice. But like... Highland Park was nice. But I mean, up there, it feels like when I go up to Mount Washington, when I the only thing that scares me is like, there's only one road down. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, to stay up top at the uh, self-realization center. And oh, that, yeah, that place. Watch it all burn. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, that was a sanitarium. Where it was? Yeah. That place up there. It was in like Mount- a, the place up at the top of Mount Washington was like a dry out center for all the, um, the big shit movie stars. No kidding. No like kidding. back in the day. Yeah, like in the 20s. In so the- we're going to hide them up there. And they, they won't be able to get off the hill. Right. And <laughs> just wait till they uh, yeah. get better. Wait till they get better from there. And who knew that would become one of the biggest businesses in the country? Yeah. Uh, the drying out business. 
so you lived up there, so you know this area, Avenue Forty Five. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now that and now somebody else, uh, somebody else that, that knew us, uh, Sean Wheeler, uh, from Sean and Xander. Yeah. Uh, you know they're they're a folk duo. Yeah. And uh, Sean was in the uh, throw rag and stuff like that. Anyway, he he was doing a recording next door to to the, to the old house, and it's like, hey, I cut some of the palm fronds on that tree. That's why it looks so freaking good. Watch out for the castor beans. They'll poison you. They'll kill you. Hey, you know the place. Yeah. But um, I'm sorry I was so hopped up when he came in. You know, I got- Hop I it up. I don't know how to handle new equipment. I, I felt like I was very uncool when he first checked in. I'm like, I got a new guitar. That's, uh, you know, I bought a piano. It cost 200 bucks. It was like 100 bucks for the piano and 75 to um to deliver it. Where, where do you live now? I live on east, in the East Bay, Richmond. Oh, up up, no, uh, yeah, up, up north. north? Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I haven't lived in L.A. forever. I mean- Did uh, you run away from L.A.? I had to leave <laughs> <coughs> Los Angeles. Uh, no, I didn't run away. I just like at the point, you know, I worked in with X for years and years, and then I did two movies like pretty close together, yeah. Great Balls of Fire and Roadhouse. And right. it's like- I. Fuck! I can I can buy a house now. Yeah. Oh wait a minute! I can't buy a house in L.A. because it was 1986 or something like that. Yeah. And the, that was a, a top of another boom. real estate yeah. boom. Yeah. And so, and I didn't. I was done. You know, I was done with it and uh, fried. You know, yeah. Just it was no longer <laughs> inspiring. And so, um, my wife at the time and I moved up to the grapevine. But you're still friends with Exine. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're partners. That's that's great. It is great. And do you, uh, you have kids? Through thick and thin. Do you have kids with both of them? No, no. Exine and I never had kids, but uh, I have three daughters that are just awesome. And it's but you know I I have to I I qualify that. Yeah. <laughs> so like kids are wonderful. Yeah. But everybody shouldn't have them, and it doesn't complete your life and and all that. Other bullshit that I haven't especially had them. well especially new parents that yeah. start going all goo goo about. Um, you know, and maybe I'm just too selfish. I don't know. How um, how old were you when you had your first kid? Oh, uh, older, like 34. Right, but not 33. 50. Like, I still haven't had one yet. And there's yeah. still part of me that's sort of like, no, maybe I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe you could. <laughs> maybe I could. I've been in a relationship with, with, uh, with my current sweetheart yeah. uh, for seven years. We've known each other for like 13. Yeah. And, um, and uh, we had a conversation of several years ago that luckily only lasted about a, a couple days yeah you know off and on and yeah. it's like and she said i had a pretty rough childhood and i yeah that's fine with me she's uh, several years younger than me <clears throat> which is oh so great. this is the third one third long term yes okay so you had the the three kids with the one in between yes okay i got yeah. it i got it so and, she's and good yeah she's she's fine I, I actually just saw her last night at a dance recital in santa cruz my youngest daughter uh, was part of a, a dance. Oh, that's uh, exciting! Program. She's going yeah. to Santa Cruz. She uh, she just finished there. Yeah, that's UC trippy, Santa Cruz. Trippy school, man. It's a great school. Yeah, it's so a, beautiful. It's beautiful down there. It's a little, a little a little wild vibe in Santa Cruz. The town is wild. Yes, yes. the town is <laughs> like, like like what's going on? Wide here, open. Man. Yeah, <laughs> wide open. That's, <laughs> that's what they used to call like back in the you know cowpuncher days. <laughs> oh, that place is wide open. <laughs> on a psychic level. <laughs> I think you can get whatever you want exactly. in Santa Cruz. Exactly. Pretty much whatever you want. But yeah. on some level, you've got to, at, at these days, or have these moments where you're like, holy shit, you know, I survived. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, like, I can't imagine. You I'm know, so grateful. Whatever happened, what was it in the late 70s, early 80s in this city, yeah. was crazy, man. I yeah. mean, a lot of people went down. Yeah. Like, during the time and then not... So, I mean, I there's a song that I play called Ready, <clears throat> and it's kind of a tribute to... Uh, Jeffrey Lee Pierce and I was going to ask and you about that Darby guy. and yeah. and uh, Elliot Smith. I was kind of friends with him too, and it's uh, uh, I will introduce it live and say, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not wishing ill will to many people, but all the Eagles are still alive. <laughs> So are Fleetwood Mac, except for the the good ones. And, um, uh, you know, is it just better health care, you know? Because, like, there's a lot of fucking punk rockers that are dead. I, it, it's what, what, have, do you, sad and scary. But do you, you, know. do, you, do you have a, you come up with an answer for that? No, I think it's better health care. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like they got rich and they could take care of themselves. But also it seemed that, like, at the time, like, I was listening to the, the first 4X records, you know, uh, over the last couple of days mm -hmm. and i listened to uh fire love i listened to the gun club still yeah. and uh it's a it, great record oh my god yeah but like i think the answer is is that you know what was at stake for you guys you know mm -hmm. what what you were chasing was different it seemed like like these these studio musicians and these guys that evolved into like fleetwood mac or say the eagles mm -hmm. they you know they were looking to to live large yeah and it just seemed like the hunger during that punk scene was not about that no it wasn't it was about pushing the fucking envelope i think um embarking on on writing a book okay i am this yeah. guy uh tom DeSavia, a friend of mine and i are, are gonna work on a book and we're gonna do a la punk rock history book right but we're gonna get uh Xene and Keith Morris and and a bunch of other people who were there, uh, Alice Bag and and uh, Terry Graham from Gun Club and all these people, Chris D from the Flesh Eaters. We're gonna get each of them to, to write a chapter. I've written a couple. Tom's gonna do some intro and cause he's a like a publisher yeah. guy. And and but all but but it was a fan in like a fifteen sixteen year old that it scared the shit out of him. But they meant, like, holy shit. Yeah. And then, but I'm hooked. Right, you meant I, Oh my God. This is, oh fuck. They've got razor blades in their boots or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's fast. Yeah. But where'd you come from originally? Baltimore. That's where you grew up? S pretty much from third grade on. My, my, my dad was a librarian. Really? Yeah. <laughs> a very uh, uh, ambitious librarian, so. What does was, that mean? He, it means he ended up being like a, a big administrator. He was the head of Brooklyn Public Libraries. So oh, okay. For, for at the end of his life. And you, and you have a big family. You come from a big family. No, just a, one brother. Uh, both my folks are dead. And, and what's the and, real name? Oh, it's Czech. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Czech name. It's a Czech name, and uh, it's Dukac, and it's spelled all backwards. But then I changed it to my mom's maiden name, so my kids wouldn't have to suffer for my sins <laughs> yeah. and at least the you know my mom's maiden name is uh is danish and so it's at least phonetic mm -hmm. uh, it's online if people need to know but uh, yeah sometimes they'll say it's hitler but i didn't think it would do so good in the entertainment business <laughs> it might have been, been great for punk rock though <clears throat> yeah i know so when, yeah, no. when what what compelled you to come out here did you how, how far uh when did you leave baltimore uh the end of 76 how old were you 20 Three, were you already three. playing back there? Oh yeah, when bar bands played, you know, played like the 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 band and Neil Young songs and you know, so that Rolling was Stone always your songs. thing. And, yeah, well, like uh, American I wrote, catalog. I, I wrote, to, yeah, 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 and I wrote um, poetry. I I went to Antioch College in Baltimore, which was just totally hilarious. Yeah, um, you went you know, all the way through. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, I quit. I went to George Washington for a year. Then I quit for uh, like a year and a half and put on aluminum siding and roofing and all kinds of lovely things. Going to be a working man for a little while? I was. And then I thought, this sucks. Yeah. This is terrible. (laughs) Yeah. No, I just wasn't interested. And I wanted to play. And I played music, you know. What was a degree um, in? uh, Poetry and American literature. So that was your thing? That was my thing. I ran a poetry reading series in Baltimore called The Poetry Project. I'm realizing now that I was seeing it in uh, a, with a, a little bit longer view. I was seeing now. it as like, no, then. Really? And I think that, that the people, that the other people like Darby and, and the other people that were in these, in, in a lot of bands that were just like, you know, fucking teenage runaways, they were just in it for the kicks and just like, let's tear this shit up. Right. And let's just see what happens. And I don't give a flying fuck about anything. And, and I didn't. In a rebellious, like I'm going to stick it to the man, or I'm I don't I don't you know like this whole corporate rock thing that's right. going on, and and uh, there's too much money and there's too much extravagance, and this was what you thought. Yeah, yeah. It's all just it's all deteriorated into bullshit, and and uh, you know I saw Talking Heads in New York, and and I saw uh, the Heartbreakers because my folks lived in Brooklyn. Oh my God, that must and have been awesome. It was great. Were they but, to get? Were they on it? Oh hell yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Heartbreakers were such a, a game changer for everyone. It seemed. Yeah, uh, you know that was when uh, Richard Hell was was still in them, and but I realized that, and I was so sick of the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, I love John Waters, right? And he and I were, you know, kind of acquaintances then, and and uh, I love. So, how would you know him? Just from hanging out in the bars and in oh, uh, in, in, Fels, in Fells Point, yeah, yeah, Fells Point. Now, evidently, now is all full of yuppies and and you know frat boys and bullshit like that but uh then it was just uh you know Edie and mink stole and mary vivian pierce and david lockery and and all the you know yeah people that were you know the bums that would come in there and like it were all stories that <laughs> i'm sure i'm positive there was one bum that used to uh masturbate while we played oh yeah sort of, he'd stand over in the corner and he'd have this big long <laughs> raincoat on and sort of bounce around and it's like huh so there's it, Johnny. There's Johnny. He's doing his. He's doing his thing. I don't want to know what that thing is. It's like in San Francisco. Like, don't look over. Just keep walking. There's nothing to see there. Just yeah. keep walking. But um, I was just sick to death of the weather and the and the people. And you know, like you, when you get too many ghosts and too many, like, oh, I remember that bad time I had there. And oh, that's this. You know, and and yeah, you know, East Coast is is can be really, uh, especially Baltimore. It's like the good part of it was you couldn't put on any airs yeah so it's like oh wait a minute are you from balmer yeah oh yeah i thought so yeah yo yeah you're you're fucking nobody <laughs> yeah, yeah you're fucking nobody because you're from balmer yeah <laughs> you know like uh, and then you know so so you got that run was out great. by ghosts no yeah but that was great because people just did art for art's sake they didn't they couldn't capitalize they couldn't you know yeah the point being is that you didn't you wanted to live I want. Yes, I did. I think it's a very nice thing. Uh, the living thing is the nice thing. Um, and there were definitely guys back then that were gunning for it. But I think I had a. I, I had an idea that this was that this was a um, extension of the beatniks and the psychedelic era and the and and you know like some sort of it was a extension of some kind of art. Punk was. Yeah, not high art. But art, like Andy Warhol and right, oral John tradition. Waters yeah. and, and, and stuff, you know, it was like popular art. And it's like, I think the, the you know, Ramones and, and 
all of us, we wanted to be famous. Right. We wanted to be popular. But so like, but go- and then the Sex Pistols came in and fucked it all up for everybody. They kind of did, right? <laughs> in some ways. I listened I to that you know, record the other day. It's, it's okay. It's a good record. Yeah. The sounds are great. But Steve the, Jones is a kick-ass guitar player. Yeah, but the fashion thing kind of that was it, and also pissing off people and saying and saying to the press, we never told the press to fuck off, right? You know, and I think the Pistols and, and some other bands said, you know, oh fuck off, all you, and it's like <laughs> the powers that be said, okay, fine, yeah. As a matter of fact, fuck you, yeah. Good you're luck. Going, you're going nowhere because <laughs> yeah, yeah. there was the you know yeah. the hourglass of sure. art, and then the media, and yeah. then the people. You Have had fun to get with your through. one record. Yeah. So. Yeah surviving the anyway. one record anyway. no but i well no but i think that's interesting although you know dylan was kind of you know standoffish and pricky with the press and true. You know, there was definitely you know a tradition to it true but uh he was dylan yeah he could get away with <laughs> yeah it. he had more than one record in him yeah <laughs> so <laughs> somebody said somebody said you know if you hear if you hear some words or some lyrics or you get an idea for a song at two thirty in the morning you better get up and and write it down because if it doesn't by default it goes to bob dylan <laughs> <laughs> that was a great one that's great there's just lyrics running around the ether <laughs> exactly they're gonna, they're gonna run oh well he doesn't want it better give it to uncle bob <laughs> <laughs> i tried to wake you up man <laughs> uh, but uh, but but seriously i don't think it's boring i think like you know what you were you know because i mean i used to do i wrote poetry i i edited the literary journal in college i was nice. I, I believe in it yeah and and i can still read it and and i and i love it and i think that there's sort of like you know there's a lot of life equations that works out in your songs and also in poetry so like who mm-hmm. were you going to say what was the who was the guy you were into at, at the beginning that kind of blew your mind um i like john ashbury mm-hmm. he was one of the and and frank o'hara oh and, yeah um uh you know of course sylvia plath and and denise levertov and diane wakoski and i mean i came to la Mostly because I was sick of the East Coast, but also because I loved the um, the movies and the whole Hollywood. And as soon as I saw Hollywood was in a like <laughs> in the state of Tennessee Williams decay, yeah, you know the Hollywood sign, the O had fallen down. It was broken at that point. It was falling down. It's yeah. like nobody had the civic pride to put the motherfucker up. And it's like this is perfect. Yeah, uh, yeah. And oh, by the way, there's no live music. Mm. That's interesting. There wasn't? Not really. Because yeah, well, what? There was just a few clubs that were kind disco. of- Disco. Oh, it was a lot dis- of that's disco. right. Yeah. It was all gone? It was, so it was the mid-70s. It. Right. Yeah. That's was, that's hilarious. Whiskey. You know, they would have cover bands, and, and uh, Van Halen was playing around a little bit. Yeah. And I saw, and early on, I saw Cheap Trick at the Starwood. In, the, in and, 76, uh, 77? Yeah, 76. They were good. Cheap Trick was yeah. good. It was awesome. So you come out here with uh, just sort of this romantic idea of what uh, Hollywood was, and 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 were you looking for the decay, or were you thinking that oh, it would yeah. be glamorous? Oh, you, oh, you yeah. Thought, oh. oh yeah, <laughs> where, <laughs> of where's, course. Where's the darkness? Don't, don't be silly, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where my bread was buttered. Uh, Had you published any poems at that point? Yeah, and a couple like you know literary magazines. And, and was like that, that satisfying for you or or, or not? I mean, was no, it really? not really. It's not right. No, it wasn't. It's so insulated the uh, the world yeah. that loves that stuff. Yeah, but there were there was a lot of um, DC poets, uh, a lot of you know, s- they were very much into entertaining, very much the spoken word and 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 you know writing stuff that was that was guaranteed to get a laugh, right? Guaranteed to get to get a reaction out of right. the audience. Tim Dugos was one of them, and and Terry Winch, and Terry's gone on to do uh, some other books and play in an Irish band. And I mean, it was kind of like 
in 73, 74, it was like, you know, along with Patti Smith. Yeah. I'll give her that. I'll give her due there. Uh, you know, it was like a performance thing. Right. And it was, you know, even though her stuff wasn't funny, I mean, there was a lot of people that was, that the stuff was, uh, you know, ironic and, and like <laughs> talking right. about your parents and, sure. and you know, all this strange And stuff were you there. doing that? A little bit. Yeah, I tried to. In I D.C.? Uh, in Baltimore and D.C., yeah. And when, in terms of playing in the band, you were just you were playing guitar and singing from what age, really? No, I started on playing bass. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I learned. So I took piano lessons, like everybody. Yeah. Or a lot of people, and and then I I thought, oh well, that's only got four strings. That must be easier. <laughs> it is a little bit. <laughs> a little, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's why bass players can you know <laughs> just, carry on a conversation, and some guitar players can't. Yeah. Whoa. Just, yeah, just lay back. It's like sitting in your room figuring out that. That's why. Yeah. Exactly. I'm done. I got it. I got Excellent. it. <laughs> so, but uh, were you singing at that time? Yeah, yeah, I sang from when I was young. And that kind of music, though. So, what was it in terms of musically? Was it was it seeing somebody like the Heartbreakers that made you realize, like, holy fuck, you know, I got to get out of this cover band. Something's got to yeah. change. Well, yeah, I I was just done. I was done with the with whole, Baltimore cover the band whole thing. The poetry, the, yeah. even though we were, I was writing songs. This guy and I were writing songs together and stuff. And what happened to that guy? Um, he moved back and then he, uh, ended up in Austin. I kept touch with him a little bit. Mm-hmm. I saw him a few years ago and, and he's actually working for a, a natural foods company. He's really high up in this Annie's. Oh yeah. Some or other. Annie's oh, frozen. Yeah. Yes. Food. Oh yeah. I know that. Don't they make salad dressings and shit? I, I think they make everything. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're really big. It's but. interesting what people end up doing when they live, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. How, how it goes for other people. I think he still made music, but um, yeah, it was the the I did have some stars in my eyes because of you know, well Charles Bukowski, he's an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> he seems to get through, <laughs> you know. And he was around when he came out here. Oh yeah, I never never met him. You I, never I sought a, him out. I I tried to, but he was you know he had already moved down to San Pedro or was in uh-huh. the, in the process. He had hooked up with. Um, his uh, his wife of many years, Linda. Yeah. At that point, the interesting thing with him is that is that I ended up moving into a house that he had um, spent some time in. Right. There was a big drawing on this uh, uh, in the kitchen. Yeah. On a four by eight sheet of plywood. Yeah. With his little funny like James Thurber kind of drawings and little cartoon bubbles and stuff like that. And the lady who was the landlord next door, she was like a museum curator. She worked for a museum or something like that. So I said, look, we're gonna take this thing out. And um, put in a, a, a nursery yeah. in, in what was the laundry room. Right. You know, it was like half the size, of, a quarter of the size of the studio. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I got into, I got a, a P.O. box for Charles Bukowski, and I said, look, you, there's this, and the, and the address is in one of his books, 2347 Duane Street. Uh, in one of his early poetry books. That was the title of one of the poems. Right. So I thought, oh, well, this is definitely his because it's a book at the bottom. And yeah. So I said, look, if you want this, be happy to figure out a way to get it to you. I don't, you know, but I'm going to take it down. Yeah. And he goes, I have no idea what you're, he writes back. I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. I've never been in that place. You can chop it up for firewood as far as I'm concerned. Just a bunch of like typical Bukowski kind of like, yeah. go fuck yourself yeah. stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Which was perfect. I, yeah. I still have the letter. It was like, that was, oh, it warms my heart. You're such a prick. <laughs> and then at the very end that he signs it and at the very end, P.S., my wife says you have a good band. 
Uh, <laughs> so Linda's like standing over him, like tapping her foot, going, you better tell him. <laughs> so I gave it to the landlord who, you know, gave it to some museum and somewhere it's oh. rotting. But yeah, yeah. I didn't want it, you know, it was like. So between Bukowski and the Heartbreakers, that's what set you up to move to Los Angeles? Yeah, sure. Yeah? Why and, not? And what'd you come out here with? Anything? Uh, a truck. Yeah, Ford, yeah. Chevy? International. An okay. international travel all. Uh-huh. I was a part of the Suburban you know, group before uh-huh. the Suburbans were cool or not cool. So all your shit was in there? All my shit was in there. Um, and then I bought a bed and a table and a thing, and I moved to Venice, and then I moved like six other places. When'd and- you meet Exime? Early on, like uh, I think it was, um, I moved in uh, on Halloween. I left on Halloween, which I thought was good. I was left like, Baltimore. That's, that's, yeah, it means something. I'm, I'm going to leave this this uh, <laughs> you know ghosty town for yeah. <clears throat> on Halloween, and then I, I met her probably in um, like within a couple of weeks at a re- at a writing workshop. The Venice Poetry Workshop, which still goes on at the Venice Jail, the old Venice Jail. So you right when you got here, did, had you signed up before you left Baltimore? No. Oh, no? I just looked around. I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I got to, you know, find some people to hang out with. So, And she had a job there through a, a like a government program. She was learning to typeset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she and they they gave her lucky an she has that skill i guess yeah. <laughs> right. that's one of those ones that went away yeah the necessity of it but it was you know i was like wow this is you know uh, she actually got a job and then she was nice and the people at beyond baroque which is still going people can go down and and write, you know read their work yeah and get it critiqued and you know uh supported or not and uh they gave her a place to live up above the small press library, and it had moved. It was in a different place than it is now. Had she but, come? But she did she grow up here? Or she came from another place. Came from Florida. Oh, okay, but she had only been here maybe eight months. What was her dream? Uh, to get the hell out of Florida. Yeah, yeah. She was living in in um, Tallahassee, Oof. which is like Georgia. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like the, it's not good. Yeah, not good Florida. And you guys just hit it off right away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's very uh, alluring and still is. She's got a, a mind that is like just incredible. And, yeah, and she's she's crazy and sweet, and you know, she was a quintessential. She is more so than quintessential lead singer. Yeah, lots of demons. Right, just lots of desire for not just for fame, not at all for fame. Just desire to to hold that big flag and say, "Come on!" Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, but, but at the same time, very reticent. You know, so a lot of uh, a lot of. Did yeah, you, and did you need somebody like that? Sure. At that time, I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I'm. I mean, I can be a front person, but I'm. I'm much happier working with other people. So, how did the, the band uh, develop? When did you pick up the guitar? When did you guys start doing that? Well, I met Billy through a recycler ad. There's a paper, a free paper, or a, a paper called a buck and a Billy quarter. Zoom. Billy Zoom. Yeah. I uh, I'd, I met him early on too, within the first two months. You were looking to put a band together immediately. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And um, I actually auditioned for a band called The Pop, yeah, which had a a, a song or two, a record or two, mm-hmm. uh, along with the Motels. They they I think they were like the precursor, like with the Runaways and the Pop and the Motels. But Billy and I, there was a, a thing called the Recycler, and, and there were a lot of personal ads and a lot of ads for musicians, and then also, you know, refrigerators, TVs, and yeah. car parts and things sure. like that. And it came out every Thursday, and everybody would go to the thing, you know, and like look it up. And um, I called his number, he called mine. Um, he, uh, there were no answering machines or anything like that because it was 1976. 
and uh, he had a note on his on his uh, bulletin board to call John Doe. And uh, but he and I worked together for a little while before Exine came in to sing. Right, Exine and I were just friends, and I I, I thought her poetry was was incredibly. Um, vital and and simple and and she doesn't she had no background in in like studied poetry right she just wrote right and there was a couple songs one of them i'm coming over that she it was it was a song clearly yeah you know and and she kind of sang it to me and i said well i'd i'd like to do that in this band that i'm trying to put together and she goes so i don't think so <laughs> i said well what do you mean and, she, and later on she said well that was the only thing that i that, that someone else thought was of value mm-hmm. so why in the hell would i give it away <laughs> why the hell would i let him do it yeah that's a stupid idea so then you know billy thought oh i found a bass player that seems pretty good and now his girlfriend wants to get in the band oh that was his yeah that's which we weren't actually boyfriend girlfriend at that point but, but anyway. when you say when you say the motels and the runways were the precursors, what do you mean? I mean that they were kind of the bridge between glam rock, right? And because they were they were putting on shows of their own. Yeah, they, they uh, the Dogs was another band, and I think they had a big PA system, and and that that eventually became huge, a huge company. They were starting to do. They were independently putting on shows, right? So, so in the middle of this like horrible disco period, right? A little yeah. before, a little before the mask started, right? And um, and then you know seventy six, seventy five, seventy six, it all started just like all these people were around and like, uh, yeah, you don't like the music that we, you know, you don't like Pre- Peter Frampton, good, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. you don't like Linda Ronstadt, good, me too, <laughs> good. That's yeah. that was the enemy, disco Pretty and much. Frampton. Yeah, no, yeah. I get it. So, so, all right, so you, you, Exine's not in yet. You talk with Billy, and what kind of songs are you playing? Because he's like, you know, he's kind of heavy-duty. Um, Rockabilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. were doing, we were doing, old, we were just kind of like feeling each other's uh, sensibilities out, you know, kind of like we are doing uh, Blue Suede Shoes and uh, Honey Don't and and um, uh, You Really Got a Hold on Me and, and, you know, just some oldie songs. Yeah. You know, just to see how we like playing together. And I was trying to... You know, put in some like Velvet Underground into the into the oldest sure. thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. instead of doing a shuffle, keep it like straight eighths. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. You like so, the Velvets? Oh yeah, love them, right? Yeah, they're great. Yeah, Live in '69 changed my life. Yeah, it's they, pretty, that pretty was the first good. one I heard. It was weird because that's yeah. how I came into them. My older brother had had uh, the, oh, the, yeah. the, the Andy brother. Warhol one. The yeah. older brother, yeah. yeah. Oh, so essential. And and I was thinking, huh? Who is this man? Yeah. And why is he waiting <laughs> for him? <laughs> well, whatever. It sounds a little urgent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> guess you'll find out later. I guess I'll find out later. <laughs> Boy, did I. Yeah. But we were pretty good. I mean, we yeah. we we dabbled. We 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 did we did our fair share. We we tried it out, but oh yeah, we didn't get hooked. Uh-huh. Not not like uh, you know Rick Wilder from the Mau Mau's or. Or Darby or any of the um the Oh you hardcore. mean back oh when you when you were here. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of people got strung out though, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's King Heroin. Yeah. What was it's your thing? Was it what was your drug? Uh more speed than Yeah. Yeah. You, it, but it was then I like, graduated to cocaine and it's like oh, that was the beginning of the end. It's like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, it's, it's it took so, a while. It took yeah, a long. It took a long time. A couple, couple of three years, yeah, of you know, back and forth. But Coke, know. like for me, Coke was always sort of like speed, though I didn't do it a lot, seemed a lot more economical. Totally, and you could actually create a government <laughs> yeah. in that in, your house. in that one night. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. 
Whereas cocaine, it never was enough. You yeah. just chased it, man. Yeah. It was just like, where do we get more of that? That was where your energy went. Yeah. All right, you're going to need some more. <laughs> Speed, you're up for three days. It's got big plans. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were lucky, too. I mean, I was anyway. Is it, uh, and I, I include Xene in this. If we, if we did some, it would be like, after it was done, you know, you'd be up for 18, 20, yeah. 24 hours, something right. like that. And you were, whew, boy, that was rough. Let's go to sleep. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did. Right, rather for a like, day or two. Yeah, it's like rather than, but it was a good time. Yes, it was a great time. But that was back when it was just like horrible yellow biker crank, right? Yeah. Is <laughs> that like that weird smell yeah. shit? Yeah. At least it was made out of, you know, contact pills or, or you yeah. know, uh, acetaminophen. Yeah, yeah, Sudafeds. Yeah. Yeah. At least it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, but before you get into all that, so once you guys figure out, you and Zoom figure out that you can groove together with the with the oldies, mm-hmm. how does it evolve into, like, uh, how does Xene get involved? Where do you find the drummer? And, and what are those, when does it gig starts happening? 77. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty pretty soon, like the middle of 77. Yeah. Um, we went through a bunch of different drummers. K.K. Barrett from The Screamers played drums with, uh, with us and- He's a big, you know, movie uh, set designer. And, and oh, really? That's yeah. where he ended up. Yeah, it's wild. He did man. good. He yeah. did real good. I mean, he does, you know, some big shit like Coen Brothers and stuff. Oh, like yeah. That. I don't know if he does that, but other big time yeah. indie movies. Uh, KK Barrett played drums with us for a while. Uh, another guy named Mick from Boston, and his dad got sick, and he had to go back home. And then I saw DJ Bonebreak playing with uh, the Eyes. And he had a big parade snare, which are, you know, like 18 inches or uh, 12 inches deep. Right. And they're all silver. And I thought, God, this is huge. (laughs) But he's, DJ's just a great drummer. Yeah. I called up Billy from the, from the payphone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Back when they had him. Yeah. The payphone at the mask. Yeah. They had a payphone downstairs in the basement of the mask. Somehow Brandon. Remember payphones? Yeah. Yeah. They're still around. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. You Uh, don't want to touch him though. No. You There's consider, one of them. <laughs> you have to consider who's using them. Yeah, be, be, bad, be in pretty bad shape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, there was a, somehow Brendan Mullen had a had a payphone installed at the mask. Yeah. So it was louder than shit. Yeah. You couldn't hear anything. Yeah. Were you Call holding the phone up to the drummer? Saying, yeah, like, sort Listen of. To this guy. Yeah. No, I found him. I found Billy. I found him. Okay, promise him anything. Yeah. We'll figure it out later. Yeah. <laughs> and he took it. But Exine was already pl- uh, playing with us at that point. She- and you guys, how did you figure out uh, that she could sing? She just sang. Yeah. Because she had heart. Yeah. She has heart. And your harmonies yeah. are so specifically yours. Yeah. How did you guys land on that? Just by playing around with it? Just playing. Just- yeah. Man. And I think that Exine, you know, I- I'll give Exine and Billy the uh, lion's share of credit. I, I was... You know, I'm one of the songwriters, I'm, but I, I kind of collect things. I'm like the traffic director. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm the traffic cop of X. Uh-huh. And and even though, you know, I, I wrote some songs on my own and, and Xene would write songs and we would give each other credit because it was all us. Right. And, um, but we just sang and, and she didn't know, you know, a traditional harmony. She learned it eventually. Yeah. I don't. What is that harmony though? Because I don't know harmonies, but it's almost like it's it's. She would I, sing a second if it felt good. It's almost Appalachian. Yeah, yeah. you just sing whatever yeah. fourths. Yeah. I think is that what is, it is? Which is usually it's like in rock and roll music, thirds and fifths. Uh huh. So oh, so this is a little different. But she, yeah, but she would just hear it and she'd sing it. You know. And did, when when you started to really work, so it was seventy seven. So it took like what a few years to put that first record together. 
You just well, you yeah, just, we just had no place to. There was no record company. But you were out just jamming and playing gigs every night, making the rounds. Every weekend, not yeah. every night. Who were the guys around? Like who was around? Black Flag, the Blasters. Like who? Who were the, no, on the bills? No, no. Earlier, it was um, people like Black Randy and the Metro Squad and the Deadbeats and the Alley Cats and the Go Go's were there. Oh yeah, what were they like and, early on? Good? Just like yeah. I mean, they couldn't play that well, right? But they still had the songs, and they right. were just that was baffling for everybody. What the Go Go's that they couldn't that they weren't you know signed and it didn't have a, a like a million dollars because it was their, you just felt it. You were like, oh my like, god, are you kidding? Yeah, there's five girls that are adorable yeah. and they play pop music. So are you out of your fucking mind? How how far do you have your head up your ass? You can't see that, you know. Yeah, but it, I think it was a lot of it was pride. Uh huh. What you know? the record companies? Yeah. In, yeah. The, in what we way? like it the way it is. Don't you kids come in here messing up our program? That that was going on up until they just like collapsed. Yeah. Well, know, I guess recently. that's true. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Seventy seven. So I was in high school. So that was like fucking. What was it? Foreigner? Well, I mean, what yeah. Yeah, that kind that. of shit? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But uh, the Go-Go's and who else? The Deadbeats and the Alley Cats and, of course, the Germs. But the Germs really couldn't play that much because they would constantly, them or the audience would screw stuff up, <laughs> would break the toilet, and then, oh, well, they can't play that gig anymore, um, which was fun. <laughs> Someone broke I personally did not pull the toilet. I, was, I think that was Black Randy. That was his trick. What, pull the toilet out of the ground? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With some help, you know, a couple of <laughs> so this big sense of cooperation. Here we punk. Takes a village. LA punk. Yeah, it takes, takes a village to pull a, a toilet. Village. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Brendan Mullen, bless his heart, um, rest in peace. You know, he, he had the mask, and and he somehow convinced people for a short period of time that that was okay. To, Where was that place? It was off of uh, Cherokee. Uh huh. In, a, in an alley. The entrance, luckily, it was below what used to be the Pussycat Theater, which I don't know what it is now. It's still sort of a theater, I think. Yeah. Maybe it's a like a church. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, luckily the, the entrance was in the alley. And there was only one entrance and one exit when there were like 400 people down there. Oh, my God. Such a fire trap. Yeah. But there was rehearsal places down there we we shared one with the go-go's for a while and when did uh when did the scene really t- sort of take hold and start to win you know in the uh, sense that i'm not sure that it ever really did yeah i mean it, it it got popular through the free papers through the la reader chris morris was a good uh champion and then christine mckenna from the la times but when but the two of them and slash magazine that was a monthly free magazine that was all about punk rock all about the you know what's going on. It's under your nose. Find a band. Right. You, there's plenty of them out there. Lock you know, in. The original like punk rock scene in L.A. was eclectic. It was the weirdos and the screamers and the germs and fear and the controllers and the alley cats and the go go's and um you know it was it was all like arty and then rock and roll right. And, but people had cars, so there was like this kind of Eddie Cochran Chuck Berry thing. Right. You know. In, in there and, and it was you know everyone was represented and then I guess when those te- when the testosterone comes around there must have been a feeling of like these were the guys that we were fighting against in a way yeah you know, it was a little bit of bridge and tunnel right kind of stuff 
and and that was confusing. But by that time, you know, we put out Los Angeles. It was 1980, and then we were starting to go on the road. And and at that time, also like, like that. the the crew that that got sort of um, called the Roots music thing, mm-hmm. like the Blasters, Lone Justice, you guys, and I, I know there's a couple other ones. But I mean, Gun Club would be included. Yeah, in Gun that. Club, Blood like, on the Blood on the Saddle, mm-hmm. uh, Tex and the Horseheads. They were a great band. Yeah, yeah. I don't know them. Yeah, they you. I, I did a produced a record of theirs they, they did some really great stuff yeah i mean because like you guys had a place and everybody seemed <laughs> to have their place it was big enough so things could start fracturing so and there would be factions of like there was more rockabilly rootsy gigs right and then there was more like badass hardcore punk rock gigs i guess and los lobos too right los lobos were you know, i mean they've been playing since 76 or something like that what's that dude's name that that uh oh they they he did a record he got real strung out. He did that kind of roots music, and he's up in the Bay Area, and the guys from Los Lobos and some people. Uh, uh, Carlos Catarlos. Carlos Catarlos. Are you on yeah. that record? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. What was that guy's story? Oh. <laughs> uh, Carlos was a, a guy from, uh, I don't I don't know, uh, Glassell Park. But he was around, right, in the yeah, 80s. he was from around here. And he had a band. Well, he and he and Top Jimmy yeah. had, a, had a band called Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Picks. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Konchek was, uh, he, he used to work at a place called Top Taco. Uh-huh. And he was going to call himself Top Taco Jimmy. Yeah. I said, that's a terrible name, Jimmy. <laughs> How about Top Jimmy? Yeah. It sounds like a like he could be from, you know, a reggae guy. Yeah. But he, they played blues and they played great stuff. That was an awesome band. Steve and- Berlin from Los Lobos was in that band. Uh-huh. And uh, Carlos Catarlos was a songwriter and just, he was crazy. He was just so nutty. Yeah. And, and he went up to San Francisco but the whole time he would have these episodes where he'd be completely out of control and he had diabetes the whole time. Yeah. And it was driving him insane. Right. And and he out of control you know, on drugs. Yeah. And just mentally you know, do do a bunch of coke and drink, you know, whiskey and then he you know, he's big too. Yeah. I can remember a guy punching him in the in the middle of the forehead like like he would take out a cow, you right. know, with a, yeah. with a, and he just went down straight backward yeah and they just came right back up yeah it was him. like the living dead i was like oh he, that that's when like eight people grabbed him and right. You know, took him. right but he you know became a street person in san francisco and then everyone nursed and he was very humbled and nursed him back to health and uh-huh. and then as soon as he got healthy he was difficult again yeah. <laughs> he was really full of himself i love carlos but he's like he's it's such an interesting a handful. album man yeah to hear that a guy with that story you know and yeah. like it sounds like he might have lost a couple teeth along the way yep and, yep yeah yep. well you, check out top jimmy and the rhythm pigs that's the name of that guy's band it's, huh? it's got their their uh top jimmy was a great singer carlos was just the guitar player and he's a great guitar player and jeffrey um, lee was a friend of yours oh yeah like it seemed like he had his own like weird kind of Demons, yeah, demons, but also yeah. like a, like a, a a kind of charm that was uh, a, little, a little transcendent in a <laughs> yes. way. Yes, gift of gab, and and he was really sweet and kind of, kind of helpless at times, and and people wanted to you know take him under his wing, under their wing, and, yeah, and uh, but Jeffrey was kind of like he kind of invented himself, right? He's from, you know, the West Valley, yeah. But he listened to a bunch of seventy eights and he goes, I, I get this. Yeah. And I get this blues thing. And he and you know, his idea of melody and hitting the right note was like from outer space. Well they they covered that Robert Johnson too. Was it preach preach of blues? Preaching blues. That's yeah. great. That was great. But Jeffrey Lee kind of invented himself and you know, if you if you do that long enough, then you become that person. And he sort of invented this persona of 
Jeffrey Lee Pierce, the the punk rock blues man. And I, you know, he took a page from the Cramps for sure. Uh huh. But he definitely brought that swampy and voodoo. What, you know, was he, he at odds with the character he created? Is that like no? What? I think he was just he just got sucked into it. The, the drugs and yeah. everything else yeah. yeah so how did you like on the first album like why um, how did you know Ray Manzarek get involved he saw us at the whiskey we were opening for uh, the band called Levi and the Rock Cats uh huh Ray and his wife Dorothy went down there and, and uh, we played Soul Kitchen because we were playing that anyway yeah it was you know twice as fast and, right you, know, and, you, do, you guys do a great cover of that thing. and uh, Exine was singing it and, and Dorothy because ladies are usually smarter than men, yeah. said, hey, Ray, they're playing your song. He said, what? <laughs> <laughs> they are? <laughs> uh, and then we you know, met him that night, and it was, uh, I, I don't remember it. Exene remembers it pretty well. But yeah. I, I just remember that he came to a rehearsal, and I was sweating, yeah. was shitting bricks. And, <laughs> but he seemed to like it, and that was a huge, uh, for Exene and I especially. Were you Doors fans? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I used to try to sing like Jim Morrison. Oh wow! Oh yeah, I thought yeah, that's not no easy trick. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he could he had he had a scream that I could never I could never I could croon but I couldn't. Oh, the scream like on the live album, like uh, one in five. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a big that was a big deal for me. And what did he what does he bring to it? Like in your mind when you listen to that record, if the last like well, he played on it for one. Yeah, but, but he did the first four records. Because we loved him. He did and, all of those? Yep. Every one? Yep. And then when we went away from him, we made that questionable uh, heavy metal record with Michael Wagner called uh, Ain't Love Grand. Because <clears throat> yeah. we started believing our own bullshit, I think. We thought, yeah, oh, what? well, we're not. Wait a minute. Everyone says we're the next big thing. Maybe it's the producer that's holding us back. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, what did he bring? He was a great uh, cheerleader. Yeah. He knew how to... Uh, he knew how to give you uh, the confidence that you might have lacked, and he would he would know when a take was good. So he um, and he re- he didn't try to mess with us, and he recorded us like the Doors recorded. We just all were in a room, and then we fixed stuff that was bad. Uh, you know, we play along and then punch in and punch out, and and you know, fix little pieces that were bad. But it was all a generally a live performance, and and um, and and he also on that first record, he I think he. Uh, chose the songs like let's you know and because we had songs like adult books or I'm coming over or we're desperate there were more punk rock yeah and 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 his that first record was more us some of that stuff shows up on that collection that I have like some of the uh, alternative takes and some of the unreleased stuff right on that uh, which one beyond and back yeah there's a lot of good stuff on there that's not on the records yeah and there's a couple on your new uh big collection that's unreleased stuff yeah a couple that you you actually wrote with Exine, and it seemed like uh-huh. you covered them acoustic i did yeah. uh take 52 and poor girl yeah and uh poor girl's great i listened to that yeah. stuff last night <laughs> good yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like okay so let's get to the the rise and fall of that and then the solo career is that what were the pressures because i mean you did these like los angeles wild gift under the big black sun more fun the new world and those they're they're all great records yeah. And they all have their, you know, they, a couple of them have, you know, kind of hits, right? It wasn't a matter of, like, getting a hit, at least for the first two songs, for right. the first two records. Right. we were just playing live and we were doing well. Yeah. And we got to tour 
And actually, we got you know really good notice in the New York Times and the L.A. Times, like number one record and and number two record in the Village Voice Jazz or for which one? Wild Gift or Los Angeles? Both of them. Yeah, yeah. Wild Gift actually, I think was was like number one on in New York and L.A. So which was like fuck. Yeah, and we had no idea. Yeah, like oh well, I guess this is good. Yeah, (laughs) okay, let's go play. Right. Right. What do you want to do now? It wasn't about having a hit. It was about just uh, turning things upside down, and it was about tr- you know proving that we could actually do this, and and that it was that people did like it. And we played, you know, like the Greek Theater, and pretty much sold it out after yeah. Wild Gift with with no major record company. Right. You know, it's like seven thousand people. Yeah. So that was a big deal, and um, but then we signed to Electra because we thought, well, now we can. They gave us complete artistic freedom. You were at Slash. Yes, we were at Slash yeah. Records, and then went to to uh, Electra, and that was where the Doors were from, and right. that's where you know um, Phil Oaks was from. They were in, you know, so the history and, and love yeah, yeah, was yeah. on Electra, yeah, and um, yeah, but it, that didn't. I mean, it got us around a little bit more. You know, a lot of people said, "Oh, yeah, the first record I knew that you had was um, Under the Big Black Sun," so, right. Right, and, so and that okay. still has right. uh, they all still have uh, relevance, and because we didn't just play punk rock, and that that was you know like <laughs> Darby would always say, "You guys are a bunch of hippies," because we play songs like <laughs> you know Blue Spark or uh, or Adult Books or something that's slower because it wasn't all just right. Do you think that was uh, the blessing and the curse that you you that you didn't have a you know, like a repeatable, like it seems that what makes people popular, unfortunately, is their ability to repeat themselves over and over again. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Um, that no, I think that I think that just uh, the, the way we played and the, the subject matter was too, and the timing was all wrong, and, and they couldn't take advantage of a, of, you know, like a hot couple that was a, you know, it's like, what? They have two lead singers now? This uh, I don't want to know about it. And punk rock had a terrible... Um, reputation you know even as late as uh like 84 85 we did a version of 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 a wild thing yeah it sounds a lot like joan jett <clears throat> right but um it was us and and they sent it around to a bunch of cl- classic rock stations electra did in a plain package with no credit <laughs> and they said oh this is great who is it they say say x and they go oh we can't play it why because it's punk rock Oh, so you got labeled somehow, and that was a liability. Yeah, I mean, for us, it was a, a badge of honor. I mean, it, it was ghettoized, but uh, you know, that's interesting. It pissed us off, but whatever. You yeah, know, there, there, like, there are these lines drawn between rock and punk rock. Oh yeah, big time. That's big wild. Time. Man. There's a lot of revisionist history, you know, like saying that Rolling Stone really led the charge with the Ramones and stuff like that. The Ramones didn't get popular until the last. I mean, really popular till the last two or three years of their career yeah yeah there were bits and pieces you know like Chrissy Hind because she had a more rock kind of thing you right know? And, and Elvis Costello would break through because he was you know very clever and you know, poppy and, yeah and the, the Go-Go's and so some of the new wave bands but you know we just sang weird and whatever maybe that's why we still play yeah you know maybe that's why we're not just a joke um, and you're still sort of vital. It still means something to you. Yeah, it means something to to the people that come. I mean, I just I went. You sent me down to the burrito joint. Yeah, this kid who was like a Latino kid, probably twenty. Yeah, got a giant X tattoo on his on his shin. Really? He goes, dude, what are you doing in the neighborhood? 
<laughs> I said, well, I'm just getting a burrito, and uh, there's this guy I'm doing a podcast. Mm. No shit. Well, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> Man, I got, I got a band. It's called The Goons. Yeah. So to, um, I think his name was Odie. Yeah. That's, Odie and the goons, man. That's got to mean Keep something. Keep it real. <laughs> Here on York. That's got to mean something, though. I mean, Hell that, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a oh. lasting thing, man. Uh, it is on his leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I, I, I'm totally grateful, and I, I honor that. It means you invented something that, that yeah. has a life, you know, transcendent of anything you, of time. Yeah. Um, that you know, like you know, someone saying, like, "Oh, you like you want to, you want to know what punk is? You want to know what music is? Go listen to X." Yeah, you, know, well, you like that. That's one kind of punk rock, right? But, the, but you that's know that's what I cool mean. Thing. You that's, set a thing. You set a standard. Yes. That's a cool thing about uh, about what L.A. had and what New York had is that it wasn't all the same, right? And that's where it's it's gone a little bit wrong. And I I do love Green Day. I think they you know brought it to the audience that needed to hear it. You know, right? The, the like. 15 and 16 year olds right and and billy joe is kind of a friend of mine and, and I, I he's their band i it's great <clears throat> however it became a much narrower definition because blondie talking heads the ramones um richard hell heartbreak they're all different oh yeah you know and all the bands that were in la they're all different yeah but then it got a little narrower it became a little narrower yeah okay. it became sort of uh uh caricature of itself in a way yeah i don't know what you want that's yeah like it landed on this one thing it's sort of british poppy pace thing it yeah. didn't have any range to it yeah. like even like the dead boys and like you know things the dolls which was a little before that it, mm -hmm. it, it, it allowed it to get weird and, and everyone was sort of accepting it was a community of weirdos yeah and then it kind of it just kind of narrowed into this one sound yeah well you can hear it in the drums right away i get records all the time and i put it on it's like, <laughs> okay here we go <laughs> exactly this is that they think they got the punk rock going hey you guys play so fast yeah so how did it what was what led to the the sort of breaking apart of the band well opportunities you yeah know? geffen records waved a bunch of money in my face and said you want to make a solo record and i said sure <laughs> but that doesn't mean that x was done right because i could do both and and then uh tony gilkison dave alvin played in the band for a little while and then tony gilkison uh played with us for many years yeah and then in 99 uh billy said uh well what if we uh did some more stuff um yeah because we were doing the that electra compilation yeah and uh we said sure and then we played the palladium and it was awesome and fun and when we first started rehearsing it was like it just clicked it was like we never stopped playing yeah and um i don't know now we're trying something different we're yeah. doing it like a, a a quieter but trying to be as intense and what's the what's the lineup now it's the same yeah last punk rock band standing yeah billy dj nixine and john that's unbelievable I, you're telling me, brother. <laughs> but you know, we buried a lot of uh, you know buried a lot of our bullshit and and acceptance and and you know I love age. those age. Yeah, you guys but, are survivors. Yeah, I got to imagine some I, of this shit's not as important as it used to be. Right, yeah. it's not. Or you can say I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. It not things are not as important, and you you, you learn to forgive people and and just accept them as who they are. What and, was the biggest sticking point? I mean, what was like the hardest oh, thing? That, I have no idea. You know? Probably that they thought I was a, a you know controlling asshole, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess I was at times, and I still am. Yeah, I still like to take charge and whatever. But. Who's that guy you work with on the solo stuff? That guitar player, Smokey. Um, Smokey Hormel. 
I didn't know him until I started listening to you, and I was like, how yeah. did I not know this guy? He's great. He's terrific. He, he plays with everybody. Yeah. He's playing with Beck now. Where did he, he come from? Him. He was around here, actually. He, uh, he Smokey bought Billy's other really fucking loud amp. <laughs> <laughs> the concert, the Fender concert amp that Billy hopped up. Billy is, a, is an electronics genius. Oh, he is. And he can, he can take a carb engine apart yeah and put it back together and oh, right. run better oh right he's built he's built a, a re, he was you know he, he was doing studio repairs mm-hmm. before he you know got busy with x mm-hmm. back in the you know mid 70s didn't he have some other business going for a he while he still does what, what is it is that... i don't know zoom industries or yeah, something yeah. like that i can't yeah. remember what it was billy zoom music but he builds the, this incredible uh reverb and uh uh Reverb, mm-hmm. he would correct me. Yeah. Reverb, because yeah. it's reverberation. Right, but it's, um, a, it's a standalone unit, and you plug it into there, and then you go into the amp, and it's like it's got all these different crazy things, and it's all analog shit. That's great. And you guys are all together, and you're playing yeah. now. When you but s- now we're playing. Now we're playing like like we're, we're taking down the decibels. Yeah. So when we do the the Christmas shows around here mm-hmm. in uh, December, it's like the the ex folk show. It's kind of crazy. It I, I was re- I was really uh, reluctant. I thought, "What are you fucking nuts? Yeah, you're gonna take away some of the speed and the volume. This yeah. is insane." Yeah, and Billy said, "Nope, this is the way it's gonna be." Uh huh. The next scene said, "Yep, I'm with him." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "Okay, I guess I'm with you guys." <laughs> but it's really fun. It's it's uh, it's like much more musical. And in, who do you see when you look out in the audience? Young, usually, young people. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, man. Yeah, I know. It's really rewarding. And they dig it? Oh, of course they do. That's great. Yeah. But like the solo career, I mean, like when I when I got the uh, the collection in the mail, you know, I remember buying Meet John Doe and I remember one of the other ones, but like you 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 do you just kept going, man. Yeah. I mean That's you, why I did the 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 best of. Yeah. And I'm glad you didn't say greatest hits because there are no hits. Right, but I there was really gonna, no hits. Well, I was gonna ask you how <laughs> there you, could have been. <laughs> But they weren't. <laughs> anyway, uh, how do you go I, about selecting that? I mean, you're sitting down with a catalog of work. Who'd you sit with to make those decisions? Um, myself and my sweetheart, like a smart person, like yeah. a smart man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I I did most of it, and then I I asked uh, Dave Way, who's recorded most of them. He's a great producer and, and engineer. Yeah, he did a lot of Macy Gray's stuff, uh-huh. early Macy Gray stuff, and some Ringo Starr and all kinds of cool stuff um talked to him i talked to you know a few other friends and and just said well i like this one and i like that one and that's i felt was better and no one really noticed it so let's try that one and then my sweetheart would say well don't forget that one and i said oh yeah yeah that's good <laughs> <laughs> let's get that one <laughs> i did it because um i had more uh solo records than, than x records right and i thought well shit yeah it's interesting that all the, uh, you know, when I started reading lyrics, I'm not fundamentally a lyric-driven person. I mm-hmm. like reading poetry, but I like music. I like yeah. listening to riffs. Yeah. And it's all really poetry still oh. with you. Well, yeah. shucks. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I, well, how does that process work for you? I mean, do you, you don't come up with a melody first. You write those words, right? Uh, sometimes I'll just sing along with a melody, and I'll and I'll make it up as I go. Uh-huh. But then, but then the poet kind of kicks in and, and does the editing and, and changes little words and messes around with it. But I try not to be too intellectual about it. Right, right. Because that'll kill it. Yeah. Um, and, all so, your- and sometimes I'll just have a, you know, a bunch of words like, 
the stuff that I that I still write with Exene, she'll yeah. just give me a song that's like top to bottom. It's a song. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did you do that? Did you use like four lines and then there's a little two line in between and then it goes into a chorus. Wow, you just wrote that from the beginning to the end. Um, it's which, good that you still respect each other. Oh God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's good to hear. <clears throat> and then the acting career. I mean, Jesus, man. I was I, like, I knew you, you were in a few movies. I remember seeing you, but you've done like yeah. 50, 60 movies. It's yeah, really crazy. <laughs> Little here and there, but I mean, how how do how do you get movies? You got an agent, obviously, but I, do people... I didn't used to. I just recently did. So people yeah. are like, "Let's get John Doe to do this." Let's get John Doe to play a musician. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you played a shitty dad once, didn't you? I can't remember. Oh, of course, something and played a shitty cop, shitty yeah. dad, shitty, <laughs> shitty everything. Because that dark side it yeah. never goes away. Yeah, yeah. He can. He brings the darkness. <laughs> but are you are, are you sober? No, no. But I don't. I don't do drugs, and yeah. I, I'll, I'll I'll drink responsibly. Yeah, like ninety percent of the time. Right. <laughs> so you were just a lucky one. You just leveled off. Yeah, I, yeah. you aged out. I aged out. But um, <laughs> yeah. I, I keep thinking about uh, quitting the drink. Yeah. I and I and I, I still might. I think I think I might clear my head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, tomorrow, man. Tomorrow, yeah, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Why don't you kick tomorrow? Right. <laughs> uh, that was a song. Sure I'll was. quit tomorrow. Yes, that was a Tex and the Horsehead song. Oh, really? You're gonna have to look it up. I'll quit tomorrow. So you like acting? Sure. It's it's uh, you know it's another creative thing, and the best part is doing the research to figure out who the character is, and and I take it real seriously, but I I, I will never say <laughs> the work. Yeah. Right, I, I don't take it like that seriously. But I did some, you know, did some scene study and some improv and uh-huh. some stuff like that. So you did what, when when in the history of X were you doing scene study and improv? Uh, when we weren't touring. Oh, so you were actually kind of like oh, yeah, I, here I, I here I in L.A. This. Yeah. Well, I did a I did a movie with Harry Dean Stanton called Slam Dance, mm-hmm. and Tom Hulse was in it, and so was Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio and um, Virginia Madsen, and. Um, Anyway, Harry Dean and I were cops, mm-hmm. like uh, homicide cops, and I was the dirty cop, and he was the good cop, and and we would do these scenes, and I would realize as we're doing it, holy shit, I'm getting left in the dust. I am, I am like, I am barely keeping up with this guy. This guy is fucking burying me. Yeah, he's his end master. Man. He's, you know, and then he wasn't doing anything. Right, that's what makes him amazing. Like, God damn. <laughs> and so I thought, I, I, I don't want to embarrass myself. Right. Because this is going to be like a nine foot high embarrassment. It's going to be a, a giant, like, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I can see that you suck. Yeah. And I, I don't, I'm obviously not great. Yeah, I can you do can some show stuff. up and do it, yeah. You know, well, I did the the most recent one I did was uh, called "Please to Meet Me," and and that was really fun. It was a super fast, independent movie with uh, Amy Mann and uh-huh. and Loudon Wainwright and Joe Henry. That's a bunch of musicians, and, huh? Yeah, yeah. And and it was really fun. Oh, who yeah. who shot that movie? This guy named Archie Borders did mm-hmm. it in, in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, you know, got a bunch bunch of independent investors, and it's on you know video on demand and Blu-ray and all that bullshit. I yeah. like Amy. I know Amy. Amy's awesome. She is amazing, huh? Yeah, she's she's funny. Yeah. She's funny and dark and yeah. sweet and solid uh, musician. Oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah, she's scary. How good she plays. It's wild, man. Like, like it's all you guys. Like, yeah, I'm always amazed because I get people in here. Now she's smart. When you look at her lyrics, you go like, 
How did you use some $50 word and make it sound normal? <laughs> Damn. But she's also like, she's different than us in that, and in, in I'm just putting myself into this crew. Like, she's not a chaos person, man. I mean, no. she's a, you know, she can c- control the environment. You know, it's... everything's going to be tight. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that, that that you included me in your chaos team. Well, th- am I wrong? No, you're totally totally right. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad I'm part of the the team chaos, let's, let's baby. Fuck shit up. Yeah. yeah. You want to play one? Yeah, I don't know what to play, but um, let's figure it out. This is the only song I could that I've composed that I could say is sort of a John Doe hit. Okay. This is a, this is the closest that I've gotten. Okay. That was great, man. I really appreciate you coming. Yeah. Thanks for doing it. My pleasure.
All right, that's it. That's our show. John Doe, thank you for being here. If you're listening, good talk. Thanks again to our sponsor, A24, and their new film, While We're Young, a comedy from writer-director Noah Baumbach. Also, go to uh, WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get the app. Get some JustCoffee.coop. Get on the mailing list. God knows I, I go out of my way to mail you something every week. Do what you're going to do. Three chords, man. Three chords.